Thank you for listening to The Wonder Podcast. I'm Joe Vacanti. It's our desire that you would take this message and that you would choose to live the life God always imagined for you. So I want to ask you today, have you ever experienced a miracle? Anybody? I don't even want to ask you what you're thinking, Gavin. Miraculous ladybug? Yeah, you know... You got to make it a little bit harder, buddy. It's just so predictable. Have you ever been part of a birth? Anybody been part of a birth? The the rest of you were just dropped down here like um, Superman in the capsule or something, or you, you just showed up one day? We've all been a part of a miracle. How would you describe birth? Is it pretty and... Calm, Gavin, you're, this is not going to help you one day when you go to get married. Do not, no. Uh, one of my favorite times of giving birth, all of you, all of it was my favorite. It was wonderful. The result was wonderful for all of them. But with one of our kids, we had um, a very Italian, I had a very Italian female doctor. And as you might know, Joe is Italian. And she was not in, in like a motherly kind of way, like in love with him and obsessed with him. Like every appointment, I was you know, having blood pressure problems, all kinds of issues. She's like, oh, how are things to, to him? And I'm just like, look, like I'm not personally to be the center of attention, but I think I'm the patient here, right? So when I go to have one of our kids um, going through some uh, trials and, and some issues during that first, uh, delivery. Sorry, Gabe. And didn't mean to do that. And, um, at one point, you know, there's a time that you start to push and Joe had looked at, looked and was fully experiencing everything that was in that room. And he got a little woozy and my doctor left my bedside to go over to him to say, oh, honey, are you okay? Needless to say, when she turned around to do something, I gave him that look, which if you're married on either side of it, you know the look that I'm talking about, right? It's like, this is not, this is not the time for this. Birth is messy. Miracles can be messy. The world describes a miracle as an event that's not explainable by nature and attributes it to some supernatural cause. You know, miracles don't always have to be something big. It could be something small. It could be that thing that you've been waiting for, that thing that you've been struggling in, that answer that you've been waiting for. And, you know, I'm wondering today if anybody here is waiting on a miracle, big or small. Let's look at what it takes and what you have to do when you're waiting on a miracle. Those first verses say this. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood. By the way, some versions say, and there was a woman who had an issue. Oh, all right. I mean, I know some, including myself, that have some issues. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all she had, but was no better, rather grew worse. The thing about miracles a lot of times is it takes time. 
If anybody's been pregnant or been around somebody who's pregnant, it's nine months. And by the end, you're exhausted. You're done. You want this thing over with. But in this account, she had waited 12 years. She had suffered for 12 years. And a lot of times when you're waiting on God or waiting on something or going through something, it can leave you feeling pretty isolated and pretty alone. We know in this account that this woman with this issue of blood was incredibly lonely and isolated. See, in those days, if you had a bleeding problem like this, you were considered unclean. So she was forced to live outside of the city, probably in a tent away from people. Maybe she had some family members that would leave her some food or supplies, but she lived alone and isolated waiting for a miracle. Our scripture says that she was out of options. She had spent everything that she had. She was broken and exhausted. Have you ever been there? I'm kind of there right now. It even says she was worse off than when she started. See, sometimes when we're waiting, it can get even worse the closer that we get to it. But I wonder, because she was a Jewish woman, And her parents or family, when she was a little girl, would have probably taken her to the synagogue. I wonder if she remembered the words of the prophet Asaph from Psalm 77. Here's what I love how the message version says this. It says, will the Lord walk off and leave us for good? Will he never smile again? Is his love worn threadbare? Has his salvation promise burned out? Has God forgotten his manners? Has he angrily stalked off and left us? Just my luck, I said. The high God retires just the moment I need him. Have you ever been there, if you're being honest, that you said to yourself, you know, I've seen God do things and show up in other people's lives and and do incredible things for them and be there for them. But what about me? I've lived, I've tried to live a life of faithfulness to God. And now I'm in my moment. I've trusted him. I believed him. I've remained faithful. I've stuck it through. And now it's my moment. It's like, well, God's going to retire now. Looks like he, uh, he took a break at the time that I needed him. Is that any of you here today? Have you believed and waited and you've reached the end of yourself and you just want to be done? Here's what we know about God. Isaiah 66 9 says this. Shall I bring it to the point of birth and not cause to bring forth? Says the Lord, shall I who caused to bring forth shut the womb, says your God. See, there was more <laughs> to Psalm 77. And this past Tuesday, I um, got to this moment. We have 150,000 in outstanding invoices for the silo. We've got 1.6 million in debt. And I really believe that we are supposed to walk in complete freedom and not have any of that. And so I've been believing by faith and trusting God. And I was, uh, Bella was actually down here with me and we were driving home and I said to Bella, I'm, I'm done. Like, can we just like, let's go back in time. Let's, let's just undo it all because I don't have a single thing left. We've relied on God. We've trusted God. And you know, it's not just the internal voices coming in. It's also the external. You know, when you have invoices due, contractors start, if you've ever been in that position, which really in my life, I've never been in this type of position where you don't even want to look at your phone when it rings. It makes your stomach turn and it makes you sick. And it's like, God, like, you know, it, it just it just starts to, to come up against you. 
And then the annoying thing was God already gave me these verses to speak on. So I'm like, well, that's great. And I remember when I told Joe about the, he's like, what scripture are you using? And I told him, he's like, that's kind of gross. And I'm like, I know. And our lives are kind of gross. Like, it's gross. It's messy right now. It's uncomfortable. And sometimes that's where we find ourselves. So Wednesday morning, I woke up and I thought about the woman from this story. I thought, what was it about year 12 and the next day? What was it that made her push on? Could I wake up on my Wednesday and push on for what God was going to do? See, there was more to Psalm 77. It says this, once again, I'll go over what God has done. Lay out on the table the ancient wonders. I'll ponder all the things you've accomplished. Give a long, loving look at your acts. Oh God, your way is holy. No God is great like our God. You're the God who makes things happen. You showed everyone what you can do. You pulled your people out of the worst kind of trouble, rescued the children of Jacob and Joseph. See, as an Israelite woman, this bleeding woman had miracles as a part of her heritage. Maybe she remembered Abraham, who was the father of their nation, and the promise God made in his old age and in his wife's old age, way past the childbirthing age, that God would make them into a great nation. When the world and everybody looked at them and said, you're crazy, here's what Hebrews 11 says about Abraham's wife, Sarah. It says, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. What went through this woman's mind? What went through Sarah's mind in those moments? What's going through your mind in your moments of desperation? Is there an and? Is there, God, have you retired? But no, and I will remember. Our verses say this, it says, she heard the reports about Jesus and... She could have heard the reports about God, come to church, sung the song about God, had somebody speak an encouraging word to her and just go, yeah, but look back at those last 12 years. He hasn't done it. I'm I'm giving up. I'm thrown in the towel. But it says she heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd, touched his garment, and immediately she was healed. See, on 12 years in a day, she had to let go of her past disappointments, and they were plenty. And she had to prepare to face everybody's look of disgust on her. See, if you touched a woman that had this type of an issue, you were considered unclean too. And you would be the object of ridicule and you'd have to go do a bunch of things and be separated and isolated. Nobody wanted to even touch her. She had to step out in faith after all she had been through prepare to hear words of doubt, her own doubt with every step she took, experience the shame and humiliation and just go, here I am in all of my mess on display for everyone to see, exposed and vulnerable. See, just like childbirth, the delivery room table is a place of extreme exposure and vulnerability. I used to be a labor and delivery nurse. I don't know if you know that. And I remember my own deliveries, and I remember with women, there'd be a lot of times where where women would say, never mind, I don't want to do this. And it's kind of funny because, like, what are you going to, like, at that point, like, there is no never mind. Like, something has been been put uh, into motion. See, getting pregnant is the fun part. 
carrying the baby has cute moments, but it becomes messy and incredibly painful right before the birth. See, there's this thing in labor and delivery called transition. And it's a moment where you go from regular labor where you get breaks and then all of a sudden everything changes and transition is a time that you start to push. And that is a time where the pain increases the greatest and you have to push. I want to encourage us today and encourage you, if you've been waiting, if you've been struggling, if you've been suffering for whatever it is, in the increased pain, push. It's the same with our dreams, big or small. It's the same with our faith walk. Maybe you've been trying to be faithful and reading your Bible and getting close to God and you don't feel anything. You don't feel like anything has changed. You know, the enemy doesn't take it lightly when you pick up God's word. He knows that it's life. So he's going to do anything, everything to distract your mind, to confuse you, to discourage you. Push. Same with our unanswered prayers that we've been praying. When it starts to become uncomfortable and vulnerable and the voices of other people and people are looking at you like, that's disgusting. Your faith disgusts me. Push. We question, we doubt, we wish we could get out of it. And one of the saddest things is so many people give up just before the moment of birth and they take the easy way out. She had tried everything, but she needed to get up one more time and believe. What's your and? If it hurts, push. It says she touched his garment and was healed. What I know is one touch from heaven changes everything. It says when she touched the hem of his robe or the tassel of his robe, power left him. One touch from heaven, one moment in his presence, everything can flip in a single moment. It says she was physically healed, but so much more happens. Look at what happens next. It says, and he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Her faith. What I love about this, it says, Jesus looked to see. Those are two very different words. See, he used his eyesight to search the crowd, but he was looking to see something. And that word for see means to discern, to understand the essence of it. He saw what she was made out of in that entire crowd of people. And then she goes from being a woman with an issue to being called daughter. See, Jesus was looking for divine DNA, and faith is divine DNA. How do I know that? We just sang about it. Faithful you are, and faithful you've been. You never fail to complete what you start. See, our God is a God who is faith-filled. He will never let us down. He can always be counted on. And Jesus in that crowd of Pharisees and that crowd of looky-loos who just wanted to see the exciting thing that was happening and in the crowd of so many people pushing through to just take something from him she came and brought him her faith and he looked across that whole crowd and he saw her it's the same as today 
so many people are are coming around things that God is doing or maybe coming around you in your moments of faith and breakthrough and miracles because they just want to see what's up with that or they want to bring something religious to it and try to explain it away. I believe he's looking for that same kind of faith today. Second Chronicles says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. Anybody want the strong support of God in their lives? Anybody want God to look at you among the crowd and see your faith? And you know, it's funny because he's only looking for a tiny bit. He says, faith like a mustard seed with a little bit of something pure and divine like God can move mountains in your lives. He can move mountains in your family. He can move mountains in our city, and he can move mountains in the world. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to believe God. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1 tells us this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And you know what I know for certain? Faith births faith. When people see your struggle and they see you push through one more time, 12 years and the next day, and you don't give up and you believe that what God told you, he's going to do it. That faith inspires other people. Look at what the next chapter said happened after this woman was healed. It says, and whenever he came, wherever he came, In villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they may touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as were touched were made well. See, she grabbed on to a tiny piece of his garment and she was healed. And the story of her faith echoed through the towns and the cities and the villages. And they said, if I could just grab on to a tiny part of him, I might be healed too. And here we are thousands of years later, and her story of faith is inspiring us once again. What's at stake? Who is in need of healing and hope, but is waiting to see if God's people are going to carry this essence of faith? I believe we are in a moment where we need a birth of a miracle in the church in Western New York. For too long, the city has been handed over to darkness. And just like she had to come from outside of the city, outside in her tent where she was covered in shame and humiliation and the words of what people had said about her, a lot of times and in a lot of places, the church is feeling like that because there's been a lot of really bad things that have happened in the name of Jesus and happened in churches. And so for some people, they're hiding. Some places are hiding outside. But God needs us to step out and, yeah, face that ridicule. Face face all of those things that we are going to face and push through that crowd. Push for one touch of heaven so he could pour out his power and presence. Isaiah 42, 14 tells us that God is pushing to give birth to something. He says this, For a long time I have held my peace. I have kept myself still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out as a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. The Most High God is looking for faith. See, there's no birth without pain. And Jesus, he had a dream too. And he waited on that dream for 30 years. 
And then for three years, he began to show what the dream could look like. The church was born from his pain, from his blood, and the water that poured out of him. And on the cross, a transition and a transfer happened. See, Jesus' greatest moment of pain came right before he gave birth to the church. And he cried out and said, it is finished. And a transfer happened. His dream not only birthed the church, but it birthed the opportunity for new life, new hope in us. That we wouldn't have to just touch a piece of a physical garment, but that he, through the power of his people, touching each other and the power of his Holy Spirit, would touch and change lives in and through us, day after day after day. See, miracles were in the Israelites' heritage, but resurrection is in ours as the church. Miracles were in their heritage, but resurrection is in ours. So whatever that is in you that you've allowed to die, whatever that you have given up on, would you stand today and say 12 years and a day because what my God said he will do and it might be painful and it might be messy and people might laugh at me, but I don't care. There's too much at stake. You see, the word for church, and Jesus was the first person to speak the word church when he said to Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It means ecclesia, which means to be called out. Will we be brave today and push past the crowds? Will you grab on to just one touch of heaven and take a step of faith? I want to tell you something. If a baby isn't born, it dies. When it's time for a birth, if that transition isn't endured and the woman doesn't push, the baby dies. What dreams, what life, what hope, what people are on the other side of your hand and your willingness to push through? Thanks to all who give to Wonder Church. Your sacrifice makes this podcast possible. Thanks for listening and live your life in such a way that'll make the world wonder there must be more.